We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Home and Home on a Tuesday. The Giants have hope. Danny Dimes back on the back pages of the New York tabloids. This is Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. We're going to get into a lack of institutional control at Kansas, one of the most high-profile college basketball programs in this country, and also a fascinating story in college football. You've heard about a red shirt, but not often do you hear a guy red shirt after starting the first couple of games and breaking records by Tim Tebow. A lot to get to on the collegiate level, but we'll start in the pros. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker back home from the Monday night football game, home in Pennsylvania. Big win for the Chicago Bears. Mitchell Trubisky had not thrown for a touchdown in the first two games. He throws for three in the first half on Monday night against a hapless Redskins team. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. How were the sidelines? How did Mitch Trubisky look to you as all well in Bears Nation? Good morning, Mr. Briggs. Yep, I actually got, I think, almost four hours of sleep, which is which is glorious for me compared Even. to most Monday nights. You know what's so funny, by the way? This is a little inside baseball. It is unbelievable how much pride I take in how quickly I can get out of there after a game and get on the road. And at FedEx Field, I think I've been on the sideline, Dave, for every Monday night game they've had the last four or five years. And, oh, yeah, they've lost seven in a row. I think they're one in 17 eight maybe now. in their last 18. I've been on yeah. the sideline, I think, for all of them. Most of them have not been close. It has been brutal. But every week, every time I'm there, Dave, I get a little bit better in terms of my exit. I now figured out how to put my computer bag in the photo workroom. So literally right after I interviewed Mitch Trubisky on the field, I drop, I take my headset off, drop it, put my mic on the ground, and my outstanding sideline producer, Dave Salati, takes care of that for me. I run in with Trubisky and the Bears into the tunnel. I go into the photo media workroom. I grab my bag. I use the restroom. I sprint to my car which is in the media parking lot right next to the player's parking lot. I get in, I get on the road, and I got out of there, baby. I mean, Dave, I get irrationally excited about stuff like that. It is, I mean, honestly, it, it, it's like my contest. It's my, it's my game these days. I might have been sweating a little bit, but I got out of there very quickly. I got off to a great start, kind of like the Chicago Bears last night. Trubisky played very well. I'm just not sure, Dave, 
he's ever going to be a top 10 quarterback because you still see some throws that you see some throws, a couple of easy ones that it's hard to explain how he misses them. Uh, and you're talking about a guy that only had six incompletions last night, 25 of 31. Right. And then they're up by a couple, like three scores. And he has an awful interception that he kind of throws right to Josh Norman down by the goal line. And those are the things he told me after the game, you know, there's still some things to learn from in the second half, but overall he made some outstanding throws. I thought he played very well. Uh, You know, the bears clearly are getting better every week. If you look at it, Dave, there are some teams like the Cardinals, as an example, the Titans that are seemingly getting worse every week. The Bears are very clearly getting better every week. Trubisky was a big part of that. Taylor Gabriel was a big part of that. But really, I mean, their defense was was the story of the game, uh, especially in the first half, the pick six, the other turnovers, Khalil Mack with the sack, Case Keenum, five turnovers. I mean, that 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 still is the key to this football team. Yeah, two sacks and two forced fumbles by Khalil Mack in the first half alone. He and Aaron Donald are just game wreckers. There is no way you can game plan for them. There is nothing you can do about them. They terrorize you. What a great move by Gruden and the Raiders. Both sides of this Gruden equation, some baffling decisions early on. So now we turn to the other Gruden. And he's got a quarterback issue, but he's got an entire organization issue. Case Keenum, look, it's against the Chicago Bears defense, clearly the best student in this league. But five turnovers from your quarterback is completely unacceptable. They have now lost. Yeah, we've got the math back and forth. I've got two and 17 uh, Monday night football games, lost eight straight at home. Devastating for this team. Is it time? To turn to the backup, is it time to go to the kid out of Ohio State to take on Danny Dimes in New York next weekend? Well, I think it's been time. Uh, And and I I say that because you look at the second half of that game last night, and I guess I'll give Keenum some credit because he did bring them back. And I like Case Keenum. But the turnovers, I mean, even after the first half, I thought they would maybe put Haskins in, but I think that they were concerned about throwing him out there against that talented Bears defense. But then Keenum starts the second half with a pick. And then Keenum, later on, even when he brought him back, got a couple touchdowns on the board, deserves a lot of credit for that. How about him trying to do the Drew Brees quarterback sneak thing on the goal line in the middle of the field? They're at like the 15-yard line. And Keenum, on fourth and short, for those of you that didn't watch it, did a Drew Brees where he took the snap, jumped over the pile, extended the ball. The problem is it's not like the goal line where once the ball breaks the plane, it's a touchdown. He broke the first down line, but you're not down yet. You're still in the field of play. So the Bears just punched it out and got yet another turnover from Keenum which was brutal. I do think that they should strongly consider going to Haskins this week because really 
what's it's almost like the Giants with Eli Manning or the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, what are you really doing or building towards if you don't put the young guy in at this point? At least give the fans some hope and at least start building towards 2020 if you're Jay Gruden. And frankly, the only way Jay Gruden saves his job, which I think is unlikely, Dave, is if Haskins goes out there and starts to really show promise, really play well by the end of the year to the point where Daniel Snyder doesn't want to fire Gruden because things are going well with Haskins. That's his only chance of keeping his job at this point. You said the magic word. I'm going to show it again. Hope easily the best back page thus far of the Danny Dimes era playing off the Obama poster uh, from the presidential election. So then, look, okay, Gruden, not a great coach. But this is this really an NFL-caliber roster? Could Bill Belichick take this team well into the postseason? Tell me who and what you like on this entire roster. I like their defensive line. Um, I like their defensive line with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Matt Ioannidis. I do think they have something to build on there. Uh, I don't think they're getting enough of a return on investment for their high price secondary right now. Josh Norman makes a lot of money. I don't really see him being a consistently dominant player. He's just kind of a guy. Landon Collins makes a lot of money. I'm not sure he's a difference maker. Tariq Cohen made him look silly a couple times last night. Uh, So that's an issue. Their linebackers are kind of just guys. And then on offense, what, what they had going for them was a good offensive line. But with no Trent Williams, that makes that very tough. No Darius Geis. Their receivers, they've got some young, promising receivers. Terry McLaurin, I feel like, is going to be a really good player in the league. But they are lacking weapons. They are, along with the Giants, uh, certainly bereft of talent there. It's not a good situation for either one of them. But at least Daniel Jones came in and, as you showed with the newspaper, gave the Giants some hype. By the way, some hope. By the way, how many newspapers do you get a day? Every you every time we talk about anything, USA Today, any newspaper, Sports Illustrated, you have them all. Yeah, so I get the New York Post, the New York Daily News, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. Five. I'm old school, man. I like the newsprint. I like to smell it. I like to flip through it. Because if you don't do that, you don't really get what's in the paper. If you just check out the website, you get a few headlines and you feel like you're good. But if you smell it, if you get your fingers dirty, if you flip through it, you really take it all in. Do you not use a single newspaper? No, I don't. Uh, As you know, I don't, unlike you, I don't, first of all, I love newspapers. But where I live in central Pennsylvania, I think they only print the paper, the Harrisburg Patriot News, three times a week, maybe. Uh, And by the way, I saw this. This is significant. This is significant, Dave. I saw this on Twitter. Yesterday was the last time you could get a Monday edition of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette hard copy. Oh, 
That is I mean, devastating to me. You think about how long the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's been around. Oh. And you think about, you know, the Steelers on a Monday. And uh, it was the last time you could get a, a, a print copy on a Monday of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And even where I live in Harrisburg, I mean, it's the state capital. It's the capital of the state of Pennsylvania. And there's not a daily newspaper that that they print. It, it really is sad. Um, now, I don't keep up with the news at all, so I don't need it. My My reading is consumed by web browsers on my phone. And, and frankly, reading game notes to prepare for Cincinnati at Marshall on Saturday night. Um, so for that game. So I got to read the game notes for that. But also, I scroll through Twitter. And if an article looks interesting, I open it. And then I put it in my browser, open it up in Chrome. And I, I save it and read it later. That That ends up being what I really read. So it's a shame. I do read my hometown newspaper, ReadingEagle.com, but I read it on my phone as opposed to the print copy. Why do you get so many though? Is what I don't understand. Like why well, do you, feel you're you at, need to get all of them? When you're at CNN, you're expected to know what's in, you know, the five central newspapers uh, and you, you got to cover them all. I mean, different political views Different types of content are in all of them. I found a gem in the Wall Street Journal this morning that I know you will love about what sports fans drink the most beer, and they leave no question about it, and it might surprise you. That's a tease in the news business. We'll keep that for later on. But I would plead with anyone and everyone who's listening, who's watching today, buy your local newspapers or be like Ross and have a digital subscription. Journalism will die and what will die with it, all the stories, all the transparency, everything I've come to know and love about this profession and holding public officials accountable, holding coaches and players accountable and telling these stories as we do here makes our job better, makes you consuming sports a lot better. But let's get back to one thing you mentioned there, which was the defensive line of the Washington Redskins. And I want you to listen to defensive end Jonathan Allen after the Redskins loss to the Bears last night. I don't know one team that's been eliminated from the playoffs after three weeks. But we're okay. We're okay. Everything we do is self-inflicted. We gotta do the small thing, right? We'll be fine. It's not time to jump off ship. And if you're not with us now, that's cool. Keep that same energy. Then how do you keep everyone focused on that because it could seem from a distance that this could be, you know, something that does take things off the rails with the loss the way that it was. We're supposed to be the best athletes in the world. You, if you don't have the mental toughness to stay focused after three weeks and a 17-week season, regular season, I don't know what to tell you. So each guy has to be held accountable and we'll just, just take it from there. There ain't no magic sauce to get this thing turned around and doing the little things right. And that's what we got to do. Like I said, if you're not going to support us now, which you shouldn't, because we're playing like motherfucking shit. I don't know what you want me to tell. So don't support us now, don't support us later. We're going to circle the wagons in this motherfucker. We're going to get shit right. Believe that. Jonathan, when you look at the talent that's on this defense, you all know that you all are so much better than what you, we are seeing on the field. 100%, but talent doesn't do anything. You can look at the worst team in the NFL. Every team has talent. That means absolutely shit. You don't win games with talent. 
You know, first off, that's what you get here on Home and Home, Radio.com Sports Original. We don't bleep it. We don't clean that up. We let Jonathan Allen say it the way he means it. Ex- Expletive-laden rant. Your reaction? All I can think about when I hear a guy like that is, number one, I love it because you can tell how much he cares. And I think a lot of times people question sometimes how much pro football players care. But you can tell it's hurting him. You can tell he is resolved to get it fixed. So I like that part of it. I personally, everybody's got to decide how they want to carry themselves. I probably wouldn't be MFing, you know, in in front of cameras and, and people after a game like that. I don't, That that's not how I would want uh, my brand to be. That's not what I would want people to think of me, but he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit. Boom. I just sweared. He doesn't give a shit. So he said it so good. Good for him. The other thing I always think about, I think is interesting, Dave picture being at Alabama, like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Ryan Anderson, Landon Collins. I mean, I'm not sure some of those guys might've gone three years without losing three games. I don't, I, I'd have to look and see what years those guys were there and which one of them, you know, I think most, if not all, left school early. They probably only lost three games in three years. They really did. If that, that's got to be hard. I mean, you are used to that culture of winning, and now you're with the team that's 0-3 to start the season. That that cannot be easy, Dave, because you have this, this Alabama mindset, and now instead you are really, really struggling. It's interesting to me. Of course, there is about 100 Alabama players in the league right now. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson on the other side last night. And uh, the Washington Post reports this morning, speaking of newspapers, that John Gruden is in danger, say their sources, but he will not be fired before next Sunday's game. So he's got at least a week reprieve to go to New York and beat Danny Dimes and the Giants. We'll see how that goes. And per the quarterback situation, let's listen to the head coach talk about the, uh, the future. Jay, what would you say to the team after this one? we got to stick together. I mean, that's all we can do. I mean, we're in this together. You know, there's, nobody wants to be in this position we're in. Uh, this is a National Football League. Teams win and lose every week. We happen to lose our first three. Played three very good football teams. we got a, a lot of guys on offense who have never played together before ever until these three games. So, uh, got some talent. we just got to coach them up better, play better, be more balanced, and protect the football. And defensively, Stay after it. Jay, you're 0-3. You drafted a quarterback in the first round. Um, is there a chance that you can make a switch at that position? Not really, no. I think it's the most important thing is we have to have some continuity. You know, I can't be changing people every five minutes here. So I think Case, I got to give Case another uh, an ample opportunity to play with these new guys. I mean, this is the first time in this offense, really. You know, um, Donald Penn, Eric Flowers, their first time in this offense. You know, Terry, Trey Quinn only played two games last year. I made this point before we're not going to be perfect but we need to be better and I think we can get better otherwise if I didn't think we had a chance to get better then I would make a change but I feel like Case has the tools to be become a very efficient quarterback in this offense and get us some victories here um, moving forward 
Not sure what to make of a performance, albeit a five-turnover performance against this Bears defense. Case Keenan played fine those first couple of games, put up 380 yards against the Eagles defense. And, Ross, you know, they make your trip out of FedEx Field a lot easier by sucking that way. So the fans were already gone. The stands were already empty. Probably wasn't a whole lot of traffic congestion. I've never been convinced this organization's going to turn it around under the ownership. This apple stinks. It is rotten from the core. Is it not? I think there's a lot of truth to what you said. Uh, I have an affinity for the Redskins, Dave, because they gave me a shot in 2001 when nobody else would, in particular Marty Schottenheimer. And then also, Dave, it's where I ended my career in 2007. And what is sad for me has been sort of the erosion of the fan base. I think if you looked at all of the fan bases in 2000, which was right before my rookie year, and then you look at them all now, I'm not sure there's a franchise that's lost more fans than the Redskins. And I mean, look, I, I was talking to Jabari Laws, who's the quarterback for Army, in a production meeting. He's from Prince George's County, PG County, right there where FedEx Field was. And he's the quarterback for Army, and I'm doing the production meeting, so I'm asking him. I said, so I'm assuming, are you a Redskins fan? And he said, well, I mean, I was. And th that just seems to be the reaction. You know, when I talk to Redskins fans, Dave, they're either like, I was, or yeah, I guess, or yeah, it's going to be another terrible year. They, they don't have a lot of hope. And I think that's what Haskins can and will give them. And they need to do that because there's not a great vibe right now around the state of the franchise, around the roster, around the stadium. It, it's it's sad because you're talking about a franchise that won super three different super, three different Super Bowls in the '80s and early '90s with three different quarterbacks. I mean, they had a great great run there, um, and they they still have an awesome fan base. And it was incredible, but it just feels like, I mean, a lot of people said that last week when they played the Cowboys, it felt like it was a Cowboys home game. It certainly felt like that last night. Now, I was on the Bears sideline most of the night because there's usually less people on the away team sideline. So I usually go over there when I'm on sideline duty. But my entire side of the field was Bears fans. It was really, really impressive for the Bears, and really pretty sad, I think, for the Redskins. But that's what it's come to. I don't know that Haskins is the answer, but it's amazing what one start has done to the entire city of New York, a city I work in. Uh, the highest-selling jersey on Sunday in the NFL was Daniel Jones. Sunday into Monday, the entire organization, the fan base, was just lit up. And that's despite the fact that their best player, the best player on the team without question is on crutches. And Saquon Barkley is out minimum for most feel eight weeks with the high ankle sprain. And yet Daniel Jones, highest selling jersey in the NFL last couple of days. And certainly to your point, they have hope. And that is amazing. I want to ask you a little later if this Bears division is the best in football because the record suggests it is clearly not sure how you feel about that. And coming up in a little bit, we're going to discuss very interesting 
transfer, a red shirt, maybe transfer situation in college football. This is a real interesting development coming to the sport as well as Jalen Ramsey. We'll get to that in just a sec. But first, let me dig through my notes and find it. There it is. Hiring can be a challenge, as Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered. Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. They don't depend on candidates finding you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter those candidates so she could focus on the best ones, and that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. Results like that, no wonder. Four out of five employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is so effective. For businesses of all sizes, try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. I think the dumbest way to get your organization to rally around you and find you the right landing spot is probably what Jalen Ramsey is doing, the Pro Bowl cornerback in Jacksonville, calling out sick on Sunday night. Yes, this is the NFL calling out sick as he wants to trade from Jacksonville. They were pursuing one. Sounds like they took their foot off the gas after that big win on Thursday night football. Here's Doug Marone on the antics of his all pro and diva corner. Now it's early, so we're always game planning with the ones we have, unless the doctor says something different. How did you find out? When did you find out that Jalen was sick? Just uh, got a message, norm, the normal, the, the same way we I've always had about players sick. I get a message from the trainer. Do you find the timing odd? I mean, how, I mean, I can't. I don't. I'm not getting into that odd or anything. I mean, if you're sick, you're sick, right? I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you focus on the team. You can't focus on um, hypotheticals like, "Hey, what about this? Or is this happening? Or is that?" You know, you you, you don't know. And and the thing that happens is when you start um, changing your emotion on that, or you start leaning one way or the other, you're not just dealing with what's actually just happening right on the practice field, in the meeting rooms, or on the games. You, 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 for me, I've gotten myself in trouble in the past. So this is more about me of how I handle things, and I just keep a, a, a laser-like focus on, on what I have to do in, in my role. Jason Locke and four of CBS, our friend, says that uh, the Chiefs are the leader in the clubhouse for Jalen Ramsey's many talents and his diva actions. Jags wanted two first-round picks. Now it sounds like a first and a second and maybe something else. Ross, is Jalen Ramsey sick? I can't even believe I'm asking that question. And is he helping his case if he wants the ownership, if he wants the management in Jacksonville to ha- find him a landing place and with it, presumably a new contract. You know, I don't think he's sick. I'd be surprised if he is. And the reason why I say that is because I think I saw a tweet from Adam Schefter, the first one that said Jalen Ramsey called out sick, you know, 
on Sunday night, not going to be able to go to practice on Monday. But then the second tweet, and I don't remember exactly what it said, Dave, but it said something to the effect of, and it's probably going to be sick all week. What is that? I mean, uh, maybe we can find the exact tweet, but it was something to the effect of, isn't expected to be, isn't expected to feel better all week. Like what? That to me felt extremely transparent that he's not really sick. He's trying to force his way out. Now, I probably have a, a unique take on this, Dave. And I'm sure you disagree. Uh, maybe not. As a guy that played, I never really, it never really bothers me. Anyway, guys do what they can to get the financial security that they can from this game before it's too late. Because I've seen so many injuries. We all know and we've heard and seen the stories. I know how rough the game is. Jacksonville elected not to give him a new contract this offseason. Even though he was eligible for one, he was a very good corner. The first three years, arguably the best. Other guys in his class, Jared Goff's getting a new contract. Zeke Elliott's getting a new contract. If I'm Jalen Ramsey, I'm probably pretty ticked off, pretty annoyed that they didn't pay me. And from some of his offseason videos, it certainly felt like that was the case. At this point, he doesn't have a good relationship with them, and he wants his money. He wants it now. I kind of feel like all's fair in love and war on this one, and this is a way for him to try to force his hand, force his way out of there. And I'm okay with it. I got to tell you, I'm not okay with a bunch of the stuff Jalen Ramsey has said, like saying all the quarterbacks suck. I don't see how that helps you. But he believes this is going to help him get a trade, which will lead to a new contract. And, you know, if Jalen Ramsey was my brother, I would want him to were my brother, was my brother. I don't know. I never know. I should know that. <laughs> I never know. If Jalen Ramsey were my brother, I Boom. think. If yeah. Jalen Ramsey were my brother, not was my brother, were my brother, I, I I would be okay with this because I know that he should be getting a deal for $20 million a year and that he should be getting uh, a deal with over $60 million fully guaranteed that will totally change my brother's life, totally change his wife's life. Uh, their children, if they have any, their unborn children, if they don't. Do I like that it got to this? No. But I think that the team would similarly play hardball if they had the leverage. Just put it that way. I love the movie Bruce Almighty. Have you seen that one? I have, yes. And, and Bruce Almighty, uh, Jim Carrey gets fired. And he's out of the live shot, my profession. He's a journalist. He's a reporter. And he gets the opportunity that every one of us, whether you are an accountant, a banker, a lawyer, a broadcaster, or a football player, doesn't matter, that we all want. He gets the opportunity to say, back to you fuckers, on live television and get his revenge on air, which is brilliant, which is awesome. And we all lived vicariously through him. But would I ever do it? 
No. Have I wanted to? Yes. How many times have I called in sick in my 20-year television career? Zero. I have been asked to leave the set in mid-show because I sound awful or look terrible. I cannot call in sick. I have been fired. I have been let go from stations. I have been furious. I've been in tears. I've been devastated. And I've still showed up to work to honor the contract. So no, I hate what Jalen Ramsey is doing. I think he's a punk. I do think the Jacksonville Jaguars should have paid him because he's in that unique group of five shutdown cornerbacks that every team needs to win a championship. Just look at what Stephon Gilmore has done to the New England Patriots. But I hate the tactic. I think it is classless. And most of all, I think it's stupid. I think it hurts his positioning. I think if you're a team offering up or thinking about offering up two firsts, you don't like to see a guy calling in sick, bailing on his team, a team that is appearing to be in playoff contention. So no, I hate the tactics and I think they actually hurt him in the long run. This is all about player empowerment. I understand this is the movement coming to the NFL, but I don't like his tactics and I just root for Jacksonville to kind of stick him in a corner until they get what their demands are. But bottom line is they won't get a first and a second unless he appears to be a decent team guy and is willing to sign a long-term contract. Last word? Yeah, so I, I think everything you just said right there was really well said. I've never called in sick either. I've gotten kicked off the air on multiple networks multiple times because my voice wasn't up to snuff or whatever. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I, I don't think I'd be able to go through with it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. Uh, but I also would make it very clear when I wanted my money that I wanted my money. Um, and I think he knows, Dave, that there are other teams that are willing to pay him right now. But the Jaguars aren't one of those teams. And so... I guess I would argue with you that his loyalty and his team is team Jalen Ramsey. He's an independent contractor that right now is getting paid by the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he didn't grow up a Jaguars fan. He's not a Jaguars fan. He's trying to get life-altering financial security for his family before he suffers a life-altering injury. I don't think I'd be able to do it. For the reasons that you mentioned, I don't think it hurts him at all. I think it helps him because I think that the Jaguars realize, look, this isn't going to get better. He's going to be a headache the whole time. We let it get this far. We shouldn't have. It's probably time to move him. And I think this propels him to get moved sooner rather than later. And if that's ultimately what happens, then it was successful. All right, speaking of player empowerment, we'll just agree to disagree on Jalen Ramsey, a fascinating story out of college football. You've heard of plenty of guys redshirting over the years, but now we've seen something that I am, at least for me, not familiar with. The Houston quarterback, Derek King, 663 yards passing, six touchdowns, 312 yards rushing, another six touchdowns. He broke Tim Tebow's record for consecutive games with a passing and a running touchdown. And again, he's played four record-breaking games this season for Houston, but they're one and three. 
So he, along with the wide receiver, uh, Keith Corbin, are redshirting. Now, this record-breaking Houston quarterback says, having the opportunity to take time and focus on the completion of my degree, plus having the chance to develop as a student-athlete, is why I have decided to redshirt for the remainder of the 19th season. Coach Dan Holgerson, myself, and my family took time to make this decision. Being a Cougar, been one of the best decisions I've made, and I'm ready to take this time to help our program develop for the future. Now, Ross, this is a rule that you know a lot more about than I do that essentially allows a player to redshirt during the season after playing a couple of games and most likely to transfer. Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant, we remember using this rule. Is he going to transfer? And is this type of player empowerment positive? This guy's played four games for his team and is bailing. We have never seen anything like this before, ever. Uh, I don't personally believe that he'll be back at Houston next year. That would make no sense to me whatsoever. I think he is opening up his options. I think his dad was quoted somewhere by somebody talking about the fact that he was going to leave, that he wasn't going to stay at Houston. Frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's Oklahoma's quarterback next year because this kid is electric, and they're all seeing what happens with Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and now potentially De'Eric King. He is a phenomenal athlete. The guy had 50 touchdowns last year, running and throwing. He accounted for more touchdowns per game, more points per game, than Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins last year. He broke the American record for touchdowns accounted for in a season by four. He missed the last two games. I mean, he is a special, special player. But, Dave, we've never seen anything like this. Kelly Bryant was benched, and so he transferred. I, I can live with that. The rule now, it started last year, is that you can play in up to four games and still redshirt that season. So as as soon as you play in a fifth game, that's over. But you can play in four games and then redshirt. This is the starting quarterback. This isn't a guy that got benched. This isn't a guy that got beaten out. He's literally the starting quarterback of this team right now on the field, and he's bailing on them in the middle of the season. I mean, what does that do for all the other guys? And I don't see how this helps him. I mean, it doesn't help him if he stays at Houston. That's why there's no logic there. The only way you could argue it helps him is if he goes to a system he deems better and has more success next year. I got news for you, Derek. How many better systems are there really than Dana Holgerson's system? I mean, they put up huge numbers I, I don't think – a lot of people don't already don't think he's really a quarterback prospect because his accuracy is very spotty. But this is crazy to me. Picture being an offensive lineman or any player on the Houston team this year. It's your last year, and your quarterback bails on you after four games. Oh. Your starting quarterback, I hate this. I, I want to disagree with you. Because I like the rule. I like allowing a player like Kelly Bryant, who 
through no control of his own, yep, got benched. Trevor Lawrence became a superstar. But I think this rule needs to be amended to include a certain percentage of the snaps perhaps you have played. But when you've played, when you be the starting quarterback, you have to stay with your team. Uh, look, again, anything that gives players more rights in college football, they're never going to pay them. So maybe giving them more rights is a positive step. But it's hard for me to justify this being a positive development when a guy can bail on his team after four games. And Keith Corbin's no slouch either. 11 catches, 192 yards, two touchdowns in the first four games. So that's going to hurt them as well. And to your point, it was uh, Derek's father, Eric, who told the Houston area Fox affiliate that transferring is the best decision for him at this point. This is a very intriguing discussion. Uh, like to have more on this. Maybe we can get Derek or his dad on the program. This is kind of an ugly look. Really don't like it. Coming up, speaking of an ugly look, we'll talk about the Washington Redskins. Where are they headed? Is Jay Gruden going to survive this season? Is it going to be Haskins time next week against Danny Dimes? We'll talk with Craig Hoffman from 1067 The Fan in D.C. And there is a glimmer of hope for sports fans in Washington. We'll see if Craig sees it when we come back after a quick break. A case of the Mondays. If you are watching, not just listening on the radio.com app, you see the sports section on the Washington Post. A good headline given the Redskins 31-15 loss to the Bears on Monday Night Football, their eighth straight Monday Night Football loss at home. They're 2-17 at FedEx on Monday Night Football. So, yes, a case of the Mondays seems very appropriate. Let's uh, talk about all this positivity with Craig Hoffman from 106.7 The Fan NDC. Craig, thanks for being here after a late night. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. Let's start with the positive. Okay, I don't like starting with negative. So baseball season looks like it's headed into the postseason. You got that going. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And Terry McLaurin's really good. Other than that, we have reached the end of the positives and... Uh, <laughs> I assume we have other things to talk about. Yeah, it's it was a rough night. Uh, two and uh, it's funny hearing you say the two and seventeen stack because I was so used to hearing two and sixteen all week. I was like, oh, that's wrong. Oh, that's right. That was because they played again last night and did not go well. I mean, there's so many different places we can take this, Craig. I I, I guess I'll just start with the quarterback. And did you think that they should put Haskins in? at halftime last night or even after the first pick by Keenum early in the second half? Or do you think they made the right decision by not putting Haskins in in that environment? So I would say they made the right decision, but it had nothing to do with how Case was playing. The decision to play Dwayne is completely about Dwayne. Like he was not ready in training camp. It was really obvious. Had he been ready to really compete for that job, they would have given him reps with the ones and given him that opportunity. And they would have loved for that to happen. But he was really not that good in training camp. The wow plays are amazing. The upside is there. But on a snap in, snap out basis, the execution level is just not very high. And it's the biggest problem he had would have been a major issue last night. And that's just getting rid of the football on time. So I think putting him in last night against that pass rush was a death wish. And so 
Dwayne playing is not about Dwayne. That's really hard for fans to swallow. And and my Twitter mentions are a dumpster fire right now for quote unquote defending Jay Gruden on that. I'm not really defending Jay Gruden because I'm, I'm not telling you that Case Keenum was better than your eyes saw last night or what you think your eyes saw last night. It's just that those are two independent decisions. I think Case Keenum is going to get benched, but it's going to be for Colt McCoy, who's coming back healthy probably this week, maybe next week. Um, and I don't necessarily think they'll go to Colt this week. Um, but if he plays again like that, they're absolutely going to make a switch. But it's not going to be to Haskins because he's still not ready yet. He's only played 13 games since he graduated high school. He's not ready to play like a guy like Daniel Jones is, who came in, Gardner Minshew came in in Jacksonville. Those guys played a ton in college. Haskins is in a different boat. And I think it's about time we as a collective media start doing a better job talking about these guys as independent cases because I, I think we try to do a one-size-fits-all thing for young guys playing, and the result is fans having the reaction that they were having last night that, oh, Jones play, you should play Haskins. It's not really how this works. Yeah, but Craig, the only thing I would say to that, and I understand what you're saying, is Kyler Murray only played one year really at Oklahoma, and he has started since opening night. And he's the starter. He was the number one pick. I just think at some point, if you're Jay Gruden, don't you have to play Haskins? And maybe that leads to the next question. But, you know, don't you have to play Haskins soon? Because it seems to me, Craig, like the only way Jay Gruden can even save his job at this point is to play Haskins and to show improvement with Haskins and hope that Haskins plays well. Yeah, I mean, I think Kyler's a different case, too, though. There's a reason he was the number one overall pick and the consensus number one overall pick, and Dwayne wasn't. Uh, Kyler's a better player, and that has to matter, too. And the system he's running is basically the same system or a version of the system he ran at Oklahoma. With Dwayne, he is... Like, the reason they drafted him... I talked to one of their coaches about this in the preseason, and I said, couldn't wouldn't there be a way to kind of devise a system around Dwayne, where if you knew that this quarterback competition was going to play out like this, which at the time, Case kind of won the job by default. He wasn't that good in training camp. He was the best of the three, considering Colt got hurt. McCoy was going to win the job, and then his legs started acting up. Uh, and he said, if you knew it was going to play like, like this, could you have devised some kind of system to make it so that Dwayne playing was palatable? And the answer was no. The reason we drafted him is because he does all the things that we want a quarterback to do in this system, and that would just be stunting his growth, and we'd just be chopping our offense, and we wouldn't be able to be that effective. So there are different skill sets and different players, and, and that's why Kyler's inexperience may matter a little bit less than Dwayne's. Uh, in terms of Jay saving his job, I don't know that Dwayne playing would save his job. I think that eventually, yes. But right now they're trying to win games and, you know, it's only three. Of course, the other side to that argument is, well, if you go 0 and 3, it's like a 4% chance you make the playoffs. But they believe in their talent. They believe that, you know, it's still early, all that kind of stuff. They're actually I was rather impressed with the locker room and the togetherness last night. But in terms of Haskins, I get the questions. I think they're fair. I think when you play like that as a quarterback, you you open yourself up to this. I think it, as an organization, when you let someone turn the ball over five times, you open yourself up to this. But I, I think that you have to see this as two independent decisions, the readiness of Dwayne versus whatever the hell is going on, a quarterback, yeah. which last night was pretty brutal. 
The last thing I'd want is my quarterback going in there and facing this hungry and talented Bears defense. Talking with Craig Hoffman from 106.7 The Fan of DC. You mentioned Jay Gruden's lack of job uh, comfort. The Washington Post says he's under fire, but he will survive at least one more week. Two weeks they play New England. They're at best one and four. Uh, how likely is he to survive this season, and how much of a push and pull is there between management, ownership, and the coach considering that quarterback situation? Yeah, I think that that might push a little bit more in Dwayne's direction from up top. Certainly, I think that's a possibility. Um, I, I've also, you know, I've kind of looked at the schedule, and I think I'm certainly not the only one. I know I'm not the only one, and said, all right, well, if things go really poorly, you fire him after New England. And you have Miami the week after that as kind of a soft landing spot, whether that's the new coach, Kevin O'Connell, their offensive coordinator, or they go Bill Callahan, who's the assistant head coach, and let Kevin just be an OC and call plays. However, they'd want to dice that up. Changes after New England where you're probably going to get smoked and you have Miami as a soft landing spot. And that could, by the way, include quarterback. That seems to make the most logical sense, where if you go this week and then all of a sudden you're on a short week, you have the Giants coming up, and then you've got New England. That seems like a, a recipe for disaster. So I, I think ultimately you wind up, if you're going to make changes early in the season, you do it then. Snyder's never been one to fire anybody in season. I think that's another thing that should be noted, although certainly not a predictor or a guarantor of what's going to happen in the future. But even as bad as it got with like Jim Zorn and as bad as it got with uh, Mike Shanahan by the end, which was really, really ugly, and between the two sides, uh, they never fire or they didn't fire either guy in the middle of the season. So if you're Gruden, you might get the entire year just based off the fact that they don't really like to do this thing midseason. But if it gets ugly enough, I don't know if they're going to have a whole lot of choice. You know, Craig, speaking of ugly, it's interesting. I was saying earlier that, you know, my rookie year with the Redskins and Marty Schottenheimer was 2001. And, you know, we did some positive things, but the fan base was really into it. Like that place, FedEx Field, I don't know how old it was at that point, maybe two or three or four years, but yeah. it was rocking. Um, and I guess I have two questions on this. The, the first one is about the what appears to be the erosion of the fan base. I mean, I even talk to people. Uh, you know, my, my nephew lives in D.C., in, in Rockville, and – He's not really a Redskins fan anymore. He was when he was like six, seven, eight. Now he's switched over to the Patriots, which I don't really like, but that's what he's done. <laughs> and even other people I talk and they're like, yeah, I used to be a Redskins fan, but not really anymore. Has the fan base eroded as much as it looks like when I'm on the sideline and half the sidelines Bears fans? Yeah, absolutely. Shout out Rockville, by the way. I was in Rockville yesterday on on the way over to FedEx. <laughs> made it stop. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of the, to me the biggest stories in the entire league um, outside of the actual football um, because this was a once proud franchise, one of the shining beacon franchises of the NFL that has been around for 88 years, and now you look at their fan base and it's. It's eroding um, and the erosion is as real, Ross, as you felt yesterday and as you have felt uh, over the last couple of years coming here and, and talking to people around the D.C. area. It's just that people are tired of the losing and tired of the incompetence. They are tired or they are tired of the public embarrassment that has been this franchise where it's not just that they lose it's they lose in an embarrassing fashion. It's not just that they 
you know, make a mistake on a draft pick. It's that the the front office says something ridiculous about that draft pick or is defensive in a way that that is really odd. Um, you know, probably the most famous incident of that is after the 2014 season when Bruce Allen uh, was asked about winning football games. And he says, yeah, but we're winning off the field. And and he has not done a full-on press conference since then, by the way, as the team president almost a decade into his run. Half, half of that he has gone without true media availability, which is crazy. Um, but so th- there's a lack of accountability there that I, that I think has rubbed fans the wrong way. And so this is not just like media complaining that we don't get to talk to the decision makers. This is fans wanting answers and feeling that they don't get them. And that feeling like whenever these guys do talk, that they're not satisfied with the answers. And so that has caused an erosion of this fan base. And, you know, there's there's other factors that I think do less. Like people will talk about the name, obviously. And, but I think that is a far, far less percentage of the number of fans that have gone away than the actual incompetence of the franchise, the inability to put anything consistently down as a winner in the Daniel Snyder era. And, and that is ultimately why... And an age where, you know, if you want to go generational on it, you know, and I say this as a millennial, like it's an instant satisfaction generation and there's been no satis- next to no satisfaction for the entire run. So rather than just wait along and, and kind of do what our parents did and just say, all right, we're going to stick it out. It's like, why would we choose misery? There's other teams that are good. And so these guys, so fans go and root for someone that's good instead, or there's not that into football and they, they choose something else like the nationals or, or one of the teams that actually has been successful over this run. Well, and then that's my last question, Craig is, you know, I've heard some rumblings. Are the Redskins already looking to get a new stadium? And is that perhaps part of the reason why Bruce Allen uh, is still there with Daniel Snyder and how old, how old is FedEx Field? Because I, I felt like my rookie year in 2001 that it hadn't been around that long. Yeah, no, it wasn't around that long then. The problem is it hasn't aged well. Um, and they are looking for a new stadium. But the problem is the lease also runs through 2028. So unless that new stadium is at the National Harbor site, the, the one site they're looking at in the state of Maryland, I feel like it's probably going to be hard to break that lease. They would love to get back to the RFK site in downtown, but there's a literal ton of politics to get around with that. It's federal land, has to go through Congress, and, and that's a whole can of worms that I don't even fully understand. Um, but then they're also looking at the state of Virginia. The current governor is not as into it as the previous governor. So we'll see, uh, it, what st- site they wind up choosing. And, and they seem to think that they're close, but none of the three, you know, Maryland, DC, Virginia seem to have any real interest right now. So, uh, or have the, the ability to, to give them what they want. So the stadium is a huge part of it. It's a dump. It's, it's one of the worst stadiums in the NFL as someone who's been around to over half of them, almost 20 of them at this point, Ross, you're, you're around obviously all these traveling as well. And, and I'm sure wouldn't disagree with that assessment. So it, it's, it's a huge part of it. It's a pain in the butt to get to, um, the parking's terrible and is really expensive for fans. And then the, the product inside uh, on and off the field hasn't been good. They've done some some upgrading in the last two years or so. But, you know, you look at a stadium like First Energy in Cleveland and that stadium's the same age. You'd never know walking around the way they've maintained and, and upkept it and, and some of the more modern things they have there. It makes it seem like it could have been built any time in the last decade where FedEx feels ancient and, and they have not kept it up in a way that, uh, that is really, I would say, consistent with a modern NFL stadium. 
FedEx Field was called iconic by a national broadcaster in the broadcast <laughs> last night. That that broadcaster shall remain nameless, but it was an interesting take, to say the least. Hey, Nationals are headed to the postseason, and Bryce Harper is not. So you got that going for you, right? Smile. Which is nice. <laughs> okay, see you. So you got that for which is nice. All right. I appreciate the Caddyshack reference. Craig Hoffman, 106.7 The Fan. We appreciate the time. You got it. See you guys. Thanks, All right, Coming up in just a bit, we will talk about this huge story, a lack of institutional control at the University of Kansas. But next, the power of Tom Brady has never been more evident at age 42 and of all places put on display on Twitter. What are we talking about? The answer right around the corner after a real quick break here on Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 